Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. We've been talking about what it looks like to have a Jesus-shaped life. What does it look like to be really a follower of Jesus and to have our lives imprinted by the way that he lived? We've been talking about three very specific spaces of relationship for us that are important and critical to each one of us as we journey in this space of life. Our up relationship with God, our in relationship with each other, and our out relationship with our community and those that are around us. That's how Jesus lived his life. He modeled that in Luke chapter 6 where he went up on the mountain, spent time with the Father all night long, got this impartation into his life, got filled up, prepped, and then he had to go hang out with the disciples. I mean, you know, that can be a life sucker sometimes. Sometimes the people that we're doing life with, right, are this space that we've got to learn how to be in relationship together. And Jesus showed us how to do that. He ate meals with them. He hung out with them. He talked with them. He taught them. He equipped them. He rolled his eyes at them, I'm sure, a few times here and there, right? Like there's just the reality of doing life and community together. And then that launch, he showed this beautiful picture of that launching them out to go and proclaim to the world the good news of the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, your life and my life were meant for that same purpose, to live out of wonderful love relationship and up relationship with God, to grow beautiful, healthy, horizontal relationships with the people that are around us, and to carry the goodness of God to the world that we live in. Amen? And can I just nutshell, you, you could probably never come back to church again. I just told you the gospel right there. You need to come back to church because we had to learn how to do that together, right? That's the beauty of community together. But that's really the message of the kingdom of God. It's really the message that Jesus proclaimed. And there's a lot that goes into those spaces of growth and life and all of those things together. But our students are experiencing right now, I think, a little microcosm of heaven in some ways where they get to just share meals together and they're sleeping in stinky cabins and dorms together and they're praying for each other and they're crying together and they're having fun together. And Can I just tell you, that's a lot what heaven's going to be like. And one of the most beautiful spaces of that is where we get to just sit at the feet of Jesus and just say, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. And God wants us to experience that, not just when we arrive in heaven, but also in how we journey in life together. And so we've been taking some time and talking about really the in space of our life, what it looks like to have relationships and to be in community, to have our families on mission and to, to live in such a way that our lives right now are an example, a, a tangible experience of the kingdom of God in the world that we live in today. And can I tell you, our world is desperately searching for that kind of connection and community. If anything that this COVID season has taught us, it's taught us how bad isolation is and how much we as human beings were never created for that space in our life and how really the body of Christ and the word of God teaches us how to live together in community and love for one another, humility and grace. Pastor Jason talked about it last week with some words that most of us don't like to hear, but forgiveness. How do, how do we do that? How do we walk in relationship? If you didn't get to hear last week's message, I'm challenging you to go back online and listen to Jason's message on forgiveness. It was a powerful place of helping our hearts to understand that even in the brokenness of our lives, we can demonstrate the love of God together in how we live in community. 
And church, that's the environment of the body. It's the environment of growth. And and so as we step into this week, I want to bring us back into a conversation that we began two weeks ago. And we started talking a little bit about what it means to be a family on mission. And I I just want to put this into context for us here, because a lot of times when we think about family on mission, we we, we like to just think about it in the, just the context of a mom and a dad and some kids. And can I just tell you that, that the body of Christ, and I, I shared this with you two weeks ago, it gives us a picture that is so much bigger and broader and more beautiful than that. That does not mean that our, our families, our blood relationship, that we're not leading in those spaces and taking them on a journey of experiencing God and growing together. In fact, really, it, it is it amplified in those spaces when we get to see the kingdom of God being lived out in our family life. That, that we are families on mission. But God also has a family, a, a big family, that is living life with mission and purpose and really helping to define for our world what it looks like to be family together. And so I want to bring you into some spaces in Scripture today that are going to help us to define a little bit better what family really means. Because for many of us, when I say the word family, There's a lot of things that go in our minds in those moments. Every one of us have a different experience or background in family. Every one of us have have experienced family in some different ways. And so when I say that word, or we see that word exemplified through, through Scripture, sometimes we have a weird filter of what that means. So today, I just want to take us on a little bit journey of defining what this space of family looks like and then help us to understand how, how and why God utilized this as really a platform to describe the body of Christ. You guys ready for this this morning? This is actually a message that's been burning in my heart for some time because I, I believe that we just have such mixed messages in the world that we live in today about family. And so it can be very confusing to us at times. So we're going to take a little time and just unpack this. And so for clarity's sake, when I say family on mission, I, I want to be really clear about this. That this includes everybody, singles married, those of you that are processing, processing through being empty nesters, those, whatever space of life that you're in, when we talk about family on mission, we're talking about us collectively as people following in the mission of God in the family dynamic that God has created in the body of Christ. This isn't individualistic for only those that have, have a spouse and kids. and all, not, That's not what at all what the Bible describes when it talks about family. Family's an environment and a place where God has always done his best work. I want you to think about that. And we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Every great move of God that God did, whether it had been through what we see in the beginning with Adam and God saying, yeah, it's not good for this guy to be by himself. If you actually go into the original language there, God wasn't just speaking to the man, Adam. He was speaking to humanity. When God said it is not good for man, that word there is not is not speaking specifically of Adam. It's speaking of humanity. It is not good for humanity to be alone. How many of you would agree with that? Come on, I don't know about you, but I can get into all kinds of trouble by myself. In fact, this morning I woke up, my whole family, this is the weirdest thing for me. We have six children, and all six of them are now teenagers at camp in McCall. It was the weirdest thing to wake up in my house this morning and be like, why is it so quiet in here? I don't, honestly, I don't know that I've ever experienced that other than when my wife and I are on vacation. I kind of enjoyed it. It was creepy. I'm just telling you that, right? I actually woke up really early because I didn't hear any creaking in the houses. No kids getting up, going to the bathroom. No, like, it's just weird, right? Like, for, okay, it was weird for me. 
But can I, can I tell you, like, we weren't built to be alone like that. There's one thing that I was so excited to do was leave my house this morning, come to church, and get to be with some people. I'm being dead serious. And, and I like being, there's times that I really enjoy being alone, just not in my house when it's all quiet and weird, right? And that's really how God created us. Like we, we were never created to approach life by ourselves. We were created and God has always done all of his best work inside a family. Like we see it in Adam. We see in what God did with Noah, redeemed all of humanity through a family. Right, we look at what God has done all throughout history and he brought families into this place of of leading the way into the new things that God is wanting to do in our lives. It's always been God's design. And here's here's the beautiful thing is you learn to read scripture and you learn to interpret scripture. What God did once, it's always a pattern that he's setting for us to follow in the future. It's a beautiful thing that God puts into this relational space for us. So uh, our context of family is really, for most of us, comes out of a a society and a a world that is failing at it miserably. When we look at what the world would define as around us, and and for most of us, the context of family for us, it's dysfunctional at best. Amen? Even for those of us that think, man, we've got some some good stuff going, the reality of it is it's dysfunctional at best in the world that we live in today. So when we talk about these, these word family, in, in most spaces of the world that we live in today, it's very individualistic. It's very us over here and everybody else out there. And we're, we're trying to teach our kids how to, how to live these independent lives. And, and it's not bad to train and equip our kids to go out and to be able to live life. But it is bad to put into their minds this reality that you can do it all by yourself. That was a very quiet, mm. Come on, church, we... Listen, we're either aligning ourselves with the truth of God's word or we're pretending. And here's the problem with the church in America for the most part today. We are good pretenders and we've been doing it for a really long time. And yet God's word hasn't changed in any of that. And I believe that God is calling the church back to this place of alignment with his word to say, okay, now, now I know what our culture is telling us. I know what the culture tells. I live in this culture. You live in this culture. We know what it's screaming at us. You're the most important thing ever. Just you, your life, get whatever it is. for. And that's what our culture is screaming at us. And then we imprint that on our families. And so we create these environments where we're isolated from what God actually designed the body of Christ to be like. And that is a group of people that are walking in relationship and covenant and love for one another that meet the needs of each other's lives in moments of need, that actually are close enough to each other to know when somebody's hurting and brokenhearted. Instead of hearing about it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, like, or all of a sudden they're just gone because we don't see them ever again. Connected together in relationship in such a way that we know what's going on in each other's lives. That's family. When my kids come home from school, I know whether they've had a good day or a bad day. It doesn't take me long. Why? because I've been around their life since they were little itty bitty. So I can read it on their face when they walk through the door. That's what God designed in community and family for us to learn how to be a part of in relationship with one another. But our culture is screaming at us so many different things. Most ancient cultures, including the one that Jesus was raised in and his life was around, most ancient cultures never had the concept of family like we have today. 
They didn't, they didn't grow up with this individualistic, isolated mentality. In fact, if, if you actually look at the words that are used all throughout the, the Old Testament and New Testament, they're really words that describe this thing called oikos. Everybody say oikos. It's just fun to say. I just thought it'd be fun this morning. It's this place of, uh, this word that the scripture uses is oikos. And, and oikos is actually refers to household. In fact, if you think back as you've read through scripture, we, we see this terminology used in the New Testament a lot where Paul or Peter would go visit the household of, insert a name, right? And when we think about that, we're like, oh, they went over to so-and-so's house and just hung out with their family. No, 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 no. That's not the picture that we see in scripture. Actually, in Scripture, when Scripture talks about oikos or household, it's not only your, your blood relationships, but it's all the other people that you're doing life with. It's the people that live next door to you. It's family members that are, that are from out of town that are actually staying with you for extended time. It's the, the teachers and the people that equip you in life. They had tutors that would come and li- actually live in their homes with them, teach kids. We'll talk about that here. It's talking about everybody around your life that you're actually doing life and community with. That's the word oikos that we see in scripture. And oikos is really this beautiful place of of where each one of us are contributing to each other's lives. There's not this weird hierarchy. There's family relationships and dynamics, but there's this reality that we're doing life together and you have something that I need and I have something that you need and we're going to contribute to each other's lives to grow in life and community. sounds really amazing, doesn't it? It's actually the design that God had for the church and for people in general, to have oikos around them. People that they're doing life with, not just figuratively, but actually living that out, walking in that together. How many of you, just, just me saying this right now causes you a little anxiety? Okay, the rest of you are liars. It's hard. When you think about that, you're like, that, that, just, that requires a lot of time. That's a lot of emotional expenditure in my life. I don't know that I have the time or the place to invite more people into my home or my life. Or can I, can I, can I just tell you that it's okay to feel that? And can I tell you why you're feeling that? Because you've grown up in a Western culture that teaches you that family is just what you do in your home. And so when we hear this concept, a biblical concept, we're like, that sounds exhausting. I can't do that. Why? Because we've been conditioned in the culture that we live in to think a certain way. I taught you guys this a little while ago. This is the beauty of God's Word. God's Word is renewing our minds and teaching us a new way to think about the way that we think. So if, if we come to these spaces together and things aren't being pressed on, shifted a little bit in our life, if there's not a little pressure being applied to us, then can I tell you, we're probably not having moments of metanoia, where, where God's word is coming to us, it's confronting some of the ways that we think, and we're having to go, wait a minute, I need to change the way that I think about this. Can, can I just encourage you, and not because I'm preaching, that we're, this is good Bible teaching. Good Bible teaching challenges the way that we think about the way that we think. So we should be sitting here going this morning going, hmm, I might need to make a little bit of an adjustment. I'm going to go in prayer. I'm going to go back to the Word. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to me. And there might be some adjustment that needs to happen in my life. Why? Because the culture that is in us and all around us is being confronted by a kingdom culture that is transforming us. You guys with me today? You're like, yeah, we should be done now. I just got started. That's just the first part of my notes. 
So when we think about family and we think about family on mission, there might be some things that God's trying to adjust in our hearts and minds as we, as we move forward. Can I just say this? We were built for this by God. So when I... When I make this declaration of you, yes, we have the battle of our culture. Yes, we have the battle of of the Western mindset that we live in. But can I tell you, inherently, you were built by God to be together in relationship and community. So there's something inside of us. and, And when we experience it, we know it. When we experience in that space of our life is met and fed, like there's something so beautiful that happens and something on the inside of us goes, I love this. I'm uncomfortable because I'm, I'm, I'm an American and we shouldn't do it this way, but I like this. We go out and sit out the Bope's house and we enjoy time with their, with their family and sitting on their patio and just seeing the beauty of creation and we're just experiencing oikos together. There's something inside of us that goes, oh man, I love this. This is so important. Like it feeds our soul. And yet so many times we're fighting against it because of the busyness of our culture. And so what God is trying to do in the church is he's just trying to align us with the way that he does things. He wants you to experience the things that you were actually built for. You're built to worship God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're built to be in community and relationship with one another. Why? Because that's what Jesus said we were built for. And so many things in our lives echo that. The joy that we find when we actually are together in community. How many of you have ever experienced this? You're going to a small group or you're going to somebody's house and just the act of leaving your home to get in your car to go do that is like, it literally feels like you're dying. Thank you. It literally feels like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, I, just, I just wanna be, I just wanna be home. I'm going to stay home, right? Like every part of your flesh is like, I'm just going to keep my butt parked on this couch because it's comfortable. And I know where the, the food is in the pantry. And I know, anybody with me? Come on, we wrestle with that. That is our flesh and our culture trying to keep you into just a, an isolated rut in your life. But how many of you have experienced the joy of, man, you're there you're sitting together with friends. You're in conversation. Maybe you're praying for, I know it's weird, but Christians should pray for each other every once in a while. We're praying for each other. We're sharing life together. We're doing it over a meal. All of those things. And you're just like, man, I'm so glad I made the choice to come. Come on, isn't that real? But yet we feel the tension. Man, I feel some people in the house this morning. We feel the tension of that like every time. I'm being serious. Like we load our family up to go to, and every time it's just like, are we really going to do this? Like, I think I'm going to kill my children before we get there. Like we're feeling the pressure and the tension of that in our lives. Come on, church. And yet when we push through that moment and we say, no, 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 relationship's important. We're committed to it. We're com- There's something beautiful that happens in those times. This is why I tell you, you're built for this. God created that on the inside of you for such a beautiful fulfillment of what it means to be a part of his family. We're experiencing that together. And that's what it means to be family and family on mission. It's it's this reality that as we walk together, that we can be a part of community because we're a part of God's family where we're fully known and fully loved. 
Like I use that terminology a lot, but I, this is what my, my prayer for you is in your life. In the same way that the Father fully knows you and fully accepts you and fully loves you, he wants you to experience that same kind of community and connection in the body of Christ, in the body of Jesus, where we're just loved and known. And can I tell you, that doesn't happen because of one barbecue. It doesn't happen because we gather here on Sunday and we're high-fiving each other. and all. Like, this is wonderful. I'm so glad we get these moments. But where that kind of stuff takes place is when we make the commitment to come and be together in community. It's when we're with each other when somebody's in the hospital and we just come alongside of their family and love on them and meet the needs of their life. It's when people are going through difficulty and hardship and they look around and there's people surrounding them, calling them, texting them, loving them. Like that's the reality of family on mission. And yet so many times we just want to do it on our own. I got this one. I got it covered. Can I tell you that voice comes from our culture, not the kingdom of God. That voice comes from this independent spirit of, I got this covered. I don't need anybody else in this moment. Don't worry. I'm not going to pick up the phone and call. Why? Because I just feel weird. I feel like I'm, they're, they're busy and I'm putting them out in life. Put them out. There is nothing like for me. I, I love it when my friends and the people I'm doing life with call me and say, hey, I need your help. Something inside of me, like, and, and I'm just weird that way. My wife says I'm weird that way, but I love that. I love that feeling of, man, we're like, they're leaning into this relationship. It's not just me calling and saying, hey, you got you need help with anything? Like, that's just weird, right? But when somebody expresses need and, and we get an opportunity to lean into that moment with them, man, that's when I know we're going somewhere in relationship. There's some cool things happening in that space. Now I'm going to get like a thousand calls this week like, hey, Tim, you want to come over and But here's what I want, want, to, want to ask you this question. What's the oikos of your life look like? What's the household around you look like? What does healthy family and community around you look like? Remember, we're aligning ourselves with the kingdom of God, not with this world. If you want to align yourself with this world, there's an easy way to do that. Just flip on the TV, do exactly what you see there, and you can align with that space. But here's what you're also going to do. You're going to get what that space provides, and that's brokenness. It's loneliness. We've all experienced that. The kingdom of God is trying to bring us into a place where we get to experience what Jesus said in John 10, 10. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, like abundantly and rich. That's God's desire and heart for us. And that's what we experience when we do life together the way God designed it, as family on mission. Healthy families, let me help you with this, have some structure to them. Healthy families have some, some things that are done inside of those spaces that create that culture and environment for, for us to grow in and to find safety in and to trust one another in and to, to have some longevity in life in, right? There's some people that I've got to walk in life and journey with for 25, 30, I'm just going to stop at 30, 30 years of my life that I can look back and I have, I have, I have consistency in relationship with them. And I know if I pick up the phone, they're there. 99% of the time, I don't have to pick up the phone. They already know. See, God wants to build inside of us community and relationship where we can look back at our lives and say, we've journeyed together. That's what, that's what when we define this word family, 
family, this is why we always say like, it's like, like this, this reality that no, no, like blood family is where it's at because we've been together forever. Well, I would, I would agree. There's some really beautiful things that happen inside of our family units. But can I tell you, not all of that has actually been wonderful, beautiful, and life-giving. Right? And I would say the same thing about our Christian journey as well. That there's some places of health and growth and life together in community that we've got to learn how to navigate through. and We've got some, some work to do when it comes to the relational side of how we interact with one another. But the commitment of time, hear me this morning, is what allows us to do that. If you're just going to be gone from my life in the next year, can I tell you the investment level of relationship with you and I is probably going to be pretty minimal. That's not not a bad thing. That's not an accusation. It's just a reality, right? I want to invest my life in relationship with those that I'm going to have some longevity with as we go down the road of life. This is the broken part of the American church. Because we're consumers, not contributors. We, we come to churches about for what we can get out of it, and we forget that we're actually the church together in relationship and community, and God is moving us together in a trajectory. He has, he has this beautiful path for us to walk in. And so the American church is so fragmented so many times, and people don't actually enter into actually depth of relationship together because we're consuming whatever takes place on a Sunday morning rather than contributing to the life flow and, and, and the community that's around us. It is very quiet in here all of a sudden. Come on, church. See, we want to align ourselves with the kingdom mindset. We want to align ourselves with what Jesus modeled. And here's, here's the beauty of what Oikos does. And this is why it was such a thing in, the, in that time frame of what really Jesus and the people he was talking to, they understood this because it was just part of their everyday life. We don't understand it, so we've got to grow into some kingdom thought life here when it comes to this. Oikos has something that, that we're going to talk about over these next few weeks here, that three things that, that Oikos, family, provides for us in our journey. And I would just encourage you at some point in time in your faith journey, start taking some notes on some things that will help you process in the week ahead of you to be thinking about. I know you think you'll remember. Can I promise you in about 40 minutes, you're going to remember about 25% of what was just talked about here. That's not me saying that to make you feel bad. That is statistics. That is straight from the people who play with people's brains and figure out how smart they are and how they things and process, right? That's the statistics is you're going to remember 25 to 30% of what we just talked about in the next 24 hours. Guess what? In the next 48 hours, especially for us old people, it plummets after that. Okay? You want to increase your ability to process the things that God's doing. You're like, just write it down. Automatic increase of 70% in your life of what you'll remember and process. That was a freebie for y'all. Everybody's just looking at me like, okay, move on. I'm moving. Three things, three things that you will gain or experience when it comes to this oikos, this family space. Three things. Spiritual parenting. Some of you are like, oh, I don't like the sounds of that. Predictable patterns. These are things that that will enhance you in your life. And missional purpose. So when it comes to oikos, and we're going to talk about these over these next three to four weeks here, we're going to talk about these three things. We're going to talk about spiritual parenting. What does that look like in our life? Why is that important? Why is that significant to any of us in our journey? 
Uh, predictable patterns. What are the things that we do in life that create healthy rhythms for us, our families, our church community? We're going to talk about what that looks like in being part of a spiritual family, an oikos, a family on mission. And the final thing that we'll talk about is missional purpose. What is the purpose of our life together? Okay? We, we love to talk about in our culture, what is your purpose? What is your purpose? What is your purpose? And, and I, I just want you to know that in your relationship with God and as we grow together in community, God will illuminate to you. He'll, he'll help you to understand his divine design that he's put inside of you. But can I tell you, that was not for you. God's divine design is not for you. It's for the people that are around you. The beautiful gifts that God's put into your life are not for you to go, oh, man, I just love me. <laughs> I just feel so encouraged by me today. That's not why God put it in your life. God put your unique mix of, of gifts and talents and personality and all of those things that he bottled up in you so that other people could experience him and the wonder of who he is. And so when we think about calling, and again, this is challenging for us because we come from a Western mentality and we preach this all the time and I've been guilty of, of, of telling people, you're, you're so unique, you're so perfect just how you are. And I just want you to know the Father heart of God just loves you. He does. But he created you for family. He created you to contribute to the health and growth and life of all the people that are around you in this journey. And it's not about you. And I just offended probably everybody listening, and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Because we want to align with the Word of God. And this beautiful work of creation that God's doing inside of us, of making you a new creation, right? This beautiful work that He's doing in you is to display to the world around us the wonder of God. That when people look at you, they're just like, that's incredible. It's incredible the work that God's done in you. It's incredible that you're a nice person. People say that about me all the time. It, 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 you, you can be a nice person. I say, yeah, sometimes. God's still at work in me, right? There's this reality of God's work in us that is constant and beautiful, but yet challenging and needs community and family to be a part of. And then it sends us out on this missional purpose to just be wonderful ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And we get to do that. So let me unpack just a little of this space, and then we're going to finish out this morning. You guys getting this today? A little oikos conversation. What does your household family look like around you? I want to talk to you just a little bit and give you a brief picture of spiritual parenting, then we're going to dig into it a little bit deeper. And the reason I'm talking about this today is because our students aren't here. And it's not that our students don't need to hear this. They've got a journey to go on in that in their life. But, but I'm looking right now at the spiritual parenting that takes place at River Valley Church. This reality that God has called us to a place of responsibility of others' lives. Now, whether you have your own natural kids, not, or you have grandkids, or whatever space that you fall into in life, most everybody in here is moving into the adult space of life, and some of us are well into the adult space of life. And I want to just share with you a picture that Scripture gives us of what it looks like, what spiritual parenting looks like, and the beauty of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 it's Paul speaking to the church of Corinth, and here's what he says. He says, For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you, this was Paul's urge and challenge to a local church, imitate me. 
Imitate me. Paul's making this declaration, a guy who had lots of flaws in his life, made lots of mistakes, made this declaration over the early church, and he was speaking to their hearts. And he declares to them, listen, I'm setting an example for you to walk in, and I'm, I'm a spiritual father to you. You got birthed into the kingdom because of the good news that I brought to you in life. This is Paul speaking. And he's saying, now, what I want you to do is imitate my life. Jesus did the exact same thing with the disciples. He, he put a call out to them and invited them to come and follow him. And then he made this declaration, I will make you fishers of men. He was going to teach them how to live life the kingdom way. This is exactly what Paul was saying in this moment to the, the church of Corinth. The apostle John writes to his disciples and calls them um, in, in, in the books that he wrote, my little children. So John's making this declaration. In our culture, and specifically in our Christian culture today, because of the kind of individualistic nature that we have, um, we, we won't even oftentimes allow anybody or follow the invite of anybody to say, hey, come follow me. I, I want to help you on your journey. Our culture is literally embedded into us a lack of respect for parents, parental figures, if you don't believe me, just turn on your TV and watch how parents are depicted in most of the television spaces of our lives. And I would just say this goes back 30 or 40 years as well. Like parents have been made out to look like buffoons and idiots. They don't know what they're doing. They're outdated. They have, they have nothing to give you or invest in your life. So now there's this imprint that's been in our culture and upon many of our lives that parents don't really have a lot to offer. And yet when we look at the reality of what the kingdom of God teaches us, it's completely different and opposite. And can I tell you, this is actually that mindset of, of, of viewing parents or parental figures or spiritual leaders in our life, people that are walking with us in our journey. When, when we allow the imprint of the world to be a part of our mindset and how we view this in the church, it cripples your growth as a follower of Jesus. It literally cuts the legs out from under you of how you're going to grow in your life. So we have people who've been going to church for 30 and 40 years and are still immature believers. They have no idea how to actually walk with somebody else into growth in their life. And I can prove it to you in this just one statement. I'm not going to ask you for a response, but I just want you to think about it yourself. How many of you have actually made a disciple that is out making disciples? The reason I ask you that question is because it was the final command that Jesus gave to every believer. So go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. And then Jesus goes on to say, hey, I'm, I'm with you in that journey and in the process. And my question for you today, again, the, the proof of maturity is reproduction. I want you to hear that from me this morning. You can take that into the biological space. You can take it in the animal kingdom. You can take it wherever you want. But the proof of maturity is reproduction. In other words, the ability to reproduce of a like kind. And this is exactly what Jesus said. Hey, listen, if you're going to be my disciples, here's what you're going to do. I want you to go out and I want you to make disciples of other people. I want you to teach them how to follow me. I want you to have spiritual sons and daughters from your life. Man, it get, it's gotten quiet a few times this morning. And so the Holy Spirit is, is teaching us and drawing us right now. And, and I'm asking you a question. Just take inventory in your own life. 
Take inventory. How many disciples have I made? And, and disciples aren't, well, I remember that person from a few years ago, kind of maybe in the youth ministries. No, no, no. Give me a name of somebody right now that you can say is a disciple that is out making disciples. That's how you know. Paul did it very easily. And we'll talk about it here in a second. He had a, he had a son named Timothy that was out doing the work of ministry, right? And he was a, a spiritual son to Paul. So when you think about your life, we want to grow into the maturity of the things that God has for you. This is what I'm telling you why the church has been so crippled and, 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 and has not been really living out in the mission, the, the, the oikos, the family mission of the kingdom of God is because we have way too many immature believers. Why? Because we're crippled by the fact that, that this is my individual relationship with God. I've got this covered. On my, it's just God and me. It's just God and me. And can I tell you, that was never the design of the kingdom. Jesus saved you so that you could be a part of a family, God's family. And in that family, we grow together. We have relationship together. We need one another. Can I just tell you, my children need me in their life. Parents, it's okay for you to, 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 to own the space of my children need me. They, they desperately needed us when they were one, two, three, four years old, right? There's a growth that takes place in their life, but they desperately needed us at that place of their life. If they didn't have Emily and myself in their life, they wouldn't have made it. Can I just tell you in your growth as a Christian believer, there's, a, there's the early on stage of our life where we desperately need the community of the body of Christ. And unfortunately, we've left a lot of people orphans in that space. But we're going to grow. We're going to get better, Right? And then there's the spaces of our growth and maturity in our Christian walk where we're, we're doing it and we're, we're starting to kind of figure out, getting our legs under us, and we're, we're learning how to walk with Jesus a little bit. But can I tell you, those, those formative stages of your life, those are the really important times where you need oikos, family, community around you, right? That four to eight-year-old eight range where you're, you're growing in your maturity in relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there does come a time where you've got to begin to own some of the responsibility of your life for yourself. We're moving into that space and through that space with all of our teenage kids. Like, it's now on them to begin to pursue God. Like, we can bring them to church and we have family devotions and all of those things were patterns set in their life for them to grow closer to the relationship with God. But at some point in time, they got to take that, that responsibility on themselves and say, I'm going to pursue God for him, him and in my relationship with him. And can I just tell you in those moments, they can't do that alone. They need some spiritual mom and dads that are around them. And here's, here's what our family has done. My, Emily and I take that responsibility very seriously, but we've also put lots of really great moms and dads around them. They have other people that they can go to that will invest in their life and pour into them. Why? Because that's community. That's family. That's oikos, right? That's the household of people. We actually had, had Trey live with us for about five years, and he was one of the best big brothers to our kids as they were growing up. They needed him in their life. And he had something that he contributed into their growth and health. And now my, my oldest just turned 18 a few weeks ago, and we're working through the process now of him being a man that's getting ready to get launched into another space of his life. But can I tell you, he can't do that alone. He needs community and people around him. He's 18. He really needs some people around him. Come on. Like all through our journey of life, and I don't know why we, we come into this mindset other than just the culture that we live in, that once we're 18, we're independent, we get to do whatever we want. Man, good luck with that. Why is the church community, why don't we go, no, 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 that's, that's the space where we lean in the most together. 
Yeah, you gotta, you gotta follow some of the things that God's put in your heart and your life, but you do that in relationship and community with people. Again, this is why the, the church, for the most part, why we see ourselves not accomplishing the things that God's called us to because we have not matured in the way that we needed to because we tried to, tried to live the isolated Christian life that we think is the right way, but the scripture teaches us something so different. So we need spiritual parenting in our lives. It's so important. Interestingly enough that Jesus, when he walked with the early apostles, he used the word disciples. He used the word disciples. When he was talking about family on mission, and we're going to wrap up with this right here. When he was talking about family on mission, when he was talking about relationship and community together, Jesus called the guys that were walking with him, the people that were walking with him, disciples. Most of us are like, where did that go in the New Testament? Because we don't really see the word. In fact, after Acts 21, you don't actually see the word disciple used again. Go to your Bibles, read it. After Acts chapter 21, we don't see the word disciple used. Now what we see being utilized is this, this space of talking about family. And this is exactly what Paul was talking about. So let me reread this again as we close our time together. I want you to give it in the context. And here's why Paul spoke this way. Here's why Paul spoke this way. Because he knew the people he was talking to. And he was trying to communicate a kingdom principle into a secular world. And so instead of using the word disciple or rabbi, which would have been very comfortable for him to use with Jewish people or Christian people, right? He was talking to Roman people who desperately needed to understand the truth of God's word, but they needed some context to understand that. So here's what Paul said. He said, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, this was actually the word that he used, guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you my son, listen to this verbiage, my son, Timothy, whom I love, who, I, who is faithful to the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ which will agree with what I teach everywhere and at every church. We know that Paul discipled Timothy. We know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But Paul does not call Timothy his disciple. What does he call him? His son. He used this terminology because of the people that he was talking to. See, the Roman people understood this oikos, this household very, very well. And he used a very distinct word when he was talking to them just about this space of, of all these teachers that were in their lives. The, we translated the word teacher. The actual real word is guardian. Let me, let me give you the Greek word. It's pedagogos. And in their culture, they would have understood this very well. The pedagog was somebody, a tutor that actually came and lived in your home and, and taught your children kind of these simple things of life the math, the arithmetic side of spaces, the, the language, some of those things up until the age of 12. That was their responsibility. It was literally like having a live-in tutor in your home. And that's what Paul was saying. Listen, you've had 10,000 guardians, people that would come into your home and, and give you the teaching that you need. But then Paul goes on to say, but here's what you really need. And here's what I've become to you is a spiritual father. And they understood this very well in their culture because at the age of 12, kids no longer sat under the tutelage of this pedagogy. 
But what they did now was they were brought, and there was a ceremony they did, and they brought a, a child and had him stand right alongside of their parents. So if it was a son, he'd stand right next to his father. If it was a daughter, he'd stand right next to his mother. And from the age of 12 on, those kids went everywhere their parents went. They learned how to do business. They learned how to have conversations with people. They learned how to interact. They knew the work that it took to do what they did as a family. Uh, moms would train their daughters in, in just the space, not, not by teaching, but by doing with them. So what Paul was teaching to the early church and to, the, to these Romans that understood this concept very well, he used the word oikos or family because it brought into context for them the world that they lived in. And Paul was saying, listen, you've had lots and lots of people that will come and teach you about the kingdom of God. You've had lots of people or you have access to many people who will teach you the good things to do and the bad things to do and all these things. Like you've, you've got all the teaching space. Here's now what you need. You need a father and mother who will bring you alongside of them and actually show you how and take you into those environments. This is the challenge that we have in the American church today. We have lots of people teaching Lots of people with lots of head knowledge. Lots of people who are willing to engage in your life from a teaching standpoint, but not a lot of spiritual mom and dads who will say, hey, come stand right beside me. Let's go on this journey together. I'm going to teach you what it is through my life how to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to teach you from, from being with our family and going on vacation. I'm going to teach you from, from coming to church and, and the things that we do in serving in our community and the mission trips that we go on. I want you right next to me on this journey because I want to teach you. I want to show you what it is to be in the family of God. Church, that's what we need. Oikos. The place in our life where we're doing community and where we've created enough margin that other people can come and be on that journey with us. And this is what Paul was teaching about in this moment. This is why all through the New Testament, you hear the verbiage of family. Because they were teaching people who understood that concept. I'm just telling you today, God is doing some work in us to teach us how to be oikos together in life and community. And it's going to adjust some things in the way that we live and interact. But here's what the reality of it is. It's really a lot easier than we think. It's just simply inviting people into the simple spaces of our life. Inviting them to come to a, a game that your kids are playing in, inviting them over for dinner, and just spending time learning how to create life and community together. And this was the context that Jesus was setting for the family of God and what we would look like. Isolation's easy, but isolation is lifeless. The body of Christ, the family of God, the oikos, is what brings us the strength and the ability to actually face the challenges of this journey of life. And God created us to live in that together. Let me pray over you this morning, and we're going to jump into some, some groups together and just have some conversation around this space. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for its clarity to us. Lord, that, that Lord, even even as we've grown up in the Western culture that we've had, God, imprint our lives with a lot of ways to live life. Lord, I thank you that your word, Lord, gives us a very clear depiction of what life in community in the kingdom of God looks like, really what oikos and family is. And Lord, we recognize, Lord, that in all of our hearts and lives, God, we need your help, God, to see that clearly. Lord, we really need your help, God, to overcome some of the maybe habits or patterns, Lord, that we've built into our own lives, Lord, that, 
maybe even our counterculture to the kingdom of God. Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come and do your work in us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that, that you are so patient and gracious with us. And God, that you're always trying to lead us into the things of the kingdom, God, that actually bring life to this journey. So Lord, I pray that we would be those that are willing to respond to your word. Lord, to say yes to you, God, and to see this work begin to be transformative, God, in our community, in our culture. And that, Lord, that the church, the body of Christ, the oikos, the family of God, Lord, would be a safe and healthy refuge, God, for a world that is in desperate need of connection. So, Lord, we pray that you would teach us well. God, we know that we have lots of learning to do, God, so we come and just sit at your feet, Jesus, our teacher, our rabbi. Lord, we, we just say, show us how to live healthy in community and life, Lord. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.